Welcome to American Conversations. Tonight we have George with us. He is a former U.S. Army. Were you an officer or enlisted, George, or which was it? I was enlisted. I retired as a person. Okay. So you spent multiple tours in the Middle East and elsewhere around uh, Kosovo and elsewhere. Give us your, your overview or your background, and we'll go from there. Um, I was a uh, I was a field artillery soldier. Uh, spent the majority of my time with the 82nd Airborne Division. Uh, all those deployments that I mentioned were uh, all with the 82nd, uh, 1st Brigade, 82nd, and also 4th Brigade, uh, 4th Brigade, 82nd. Um, did a lot of joint work with uh, Afghan and Iraqi partners uh, as far as police force and uh, military was concerned. Uh, also did uh, a lot of work with uh, training training up soldiers to go down there uh, as well. Uh, I was also a uh, observer controller at JRTC in Fort Polk, Louisiana that also dealt with uh, sending people downrange. So um, are you involved in the evacuations now that are happening in Afghanistan? So I've been making contact with with people. That's how I met uh, Mr. Mark Duncan. Uh, my, my main concern is I had uh, an interpreter that I worked with uh, in 2012. Uh, him and his wife uh, both worked with uh, U.S. forces uh, and they were not able to uh, be a part of the uh, evacuation leading up to the U.S. forces leaving. Uh, he had several issues getting to the airport. He had he, he had quite a few issues. Uh, so Mark is the next person that uh, we found him through a friend of a friend, uh, and I've been in contact with him, and that's kind of been my lifeline uh, at this current moment, trying to make something happen uh, to get uh, him, his wife, and his. Uh, they have, also have two children together. Uh, to get them out of there. So, you know, I, I always like to put a human face on, on because I, I, I'm not, I don't believe people should be statistics mm -hmm. um, in a situation like this. Tell us without giving any security risk to your friend, tell mm -hmm. us about your friendship and relationship with this man. Because when, first of all, when was the last time you saw him? Well, last time I saw him was in 2012, but I talked to him today. Uh, we we talk we talk through LinkedIn. That's been our most reliable way to communicate is through LinkedIn. Hmm. Okay, and 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 tell us about your friend and how is he doing with his children and how old are they and and you know are they on the move, going from house to house? Uh, so it's my understanding. Uh, just I haven't really got into too much information with him because I don't want to. Mm -hmm. uh, I, it's my understanding that has been somewhat compromised or being monitored. So I don't want to get into the, you know, into the weeds as far as to where he's at specifically. No, he we is, don't want that. We don't want yes, that. Yes, yes. He is in Kabul. Uh, he is hiding uh, him and his wife and his hot. Uh, his two children are, geez. You don't have to give their ages. Just are they young teenagers? Okay. Uh, they are young. They are young, okay. uh, young and, and relatively close in age. Um, and like I said, they're just kind of hanging out, trying to find uh, some sort of way out of there. Uh, I think I'm the only one that he's got contact with uh, that can make any sort of attempt to uh, get him out. Uh, I tried to contact the, the people that uh, were doing his uh, CIV, uh, special immigration visa, mm -hmm. uh, and I got no contact with them probably, I think. The first week of August, I think, was the last time I talked with somebody 
in relation to his sieve. Uh, people that do the, uh, it was a, just a generic email. Uh, and it didn't really explain much as far as where he was in his process. Um, so I don't really have a uh, human face to put on that. All I have is a generic email address. Is it at State Department? Yes. Does it have Does it have the office at State Department? Is there a, is there a, a, can we identify which office at the State Department that email is from? Uh, it, it just mentions special immigration visa. That's all it really mentions. Okay. Uh, as far as the header, as far as the header is concerned. Uh, and that's all they've, that's all they've really said uh, was, you know, uh, special immigration visas. So when your friend was in contact with, when, in trying to rectify a situation, was he in contact with the U.S. Embassy in Kabul? Uh, yes, he was. Uh, he would typically uh, CC me on some of his emails. Uh, and some of it was just, I think over the last few years, it's just basically been asking what is the status of his special immigration visa. Because uh, I know I had sent a letter of recommendation. He had a few letter of recommendations, but I believe I'm the primary one uh, kind of heading that one up. Uh, and and who, did a lot you, of, who did you send it to at, at the embassy? There's was, a generic email address. Oh, so it wasn't really to a person at the no. embassy in Kabul. It was just no, to no, an no. It's like, a, like a group. It's a group email. It, it looks like a group email to me. There's no name attached to the email. Okay. okay. Uh, and it, when you receive an email back, it's, it's, it looks like it comes from the same, uh, the same group email. Uh, so there's a few times one person will reach out to you specifically. Uh, but the last person I talked to was, geez, when we first got this process started, and I don't even know if she works there anymore. What year was that? 2000, in between 2012 and 2014, we had some good conversation going on, uh, uh, with a particular person, I'd, I'd, I'd honestly have to dig to my emails just to find a specific name, but there was a name attached to that uh, generic email. And that was the person that I dealt with. I know her first name was Jennifer, uh, and she was the one that I dealt with uh, the most. And she was very helpful and wanted to get us, get him squared away. It was whatever happened after 2014 is where things just, I, w I would say stopped or stopped, backlogged really don't have an answer on, on, on what happened specifically after I lost contact with her. Hmm. Did he get any help uh, in the, in the last four years before the Biden administration came in? No, he didn't get any help from anybody. Uh, he was just, I mean, he, he, he kept working, he kept working, building up his resume, uh, you know, everything that's, uh, the CIV application asks you for is, you know, you're, you're in good standing with uh, U.S. partners or U.S. forces, uh, in, in his particular case, being a, uh, uh, an interpreter. Uh, and that's what he that's what he kept working on. And does he have any other mates who are interpreters who are in the same boat he is right now that he knows of? I am not aware of he is in contact with other people that are in there. Uh, but I'm not sure uh, where they fall in. Uh, if it was something that, if there were interpreters, if they were 
interpreters, workers, laborers, uh, maybe they were military or police. I'm not really too sure. Uh, I haven't really uh, got into any questions about these other people that he's talking to. How's he doing emotionally? He's pretty devastated. He's devastated. He's scared. Uh, it's, uh, it's just hard. It, it, it's hard because he's kind of in a, uh, he's in a very, it's a very hopeless situation. Doesn't seem like there's going to be a way out for him. Uh, uh, the, you know, as far as the ground truth is concerned, people are, people are dying. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't know if he's, he might be next. His wife might be next. They might take his whole family. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, there's, that's just, uh, I mean, just to live with that over your head, I have no idea, you know. Absolutely. I definitely can't relate to that, uh, but it, it's definitely a very, it, it, it's, it's very hopeless. And it, it's hopeless for me, too, because I don't have an answer for him. I can't sit there and say, hey, man, you know, be here at this time and they're going to, you know, someone's going to be there to meet you or somebody's going to give you a phone call with instructions or something like that. You know, I, I. All I can, all I tell them is that, hey man, we're we're we're, we're praying for you. We're we're working on it, uh, and we're 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 trying to do something. But it, it frustrates me because I just don't have an answer for him. It must be devastating for you as as an American soldier. It must be devastating. Well, he did some amazing stuff for us. You know, we were in a very kinetic environment in 2012. Uh, we were down in uh, RC South in the Zalray district. Uh, around the Kandahar area, and uh, it was a very kinetic environment. And you know, this young interpreter, you know, they don't go out with they don't go out with weapons. You know, they go out with uh, you know a helmet and uh, and body armor. He didn't hesitate. He never hesitated at all. He even went out on when we got short on interpreters. Some interpreters did not like the location. We had quite a few quit, uh, but he he just kept on going, and he'd go on back to back. Uh, back-to-back uh, -back missions, back-to-back -back patrols, uh, you know, our, our guys made contact pretty consistently uh, with with uh, with bad guys in that area. And man, he was right there. He was definitely, he was right up front. And like I said, he never had a weapon, never hesitated to go out. And the only thing he ever asked us for was uh, uh, they do get some vacation time uh, during their, you know, as far as their contract is concerned. Uh, and he put that on hold for a few weeks uh, uh, just to support us. He didn't have to stay there. His contract clearly stated that he could have taken his vacation time whenever he wanted, and he's volunteered to stay until we got more linguists to uh, support our mission. Uh, so he was a pretty selfless, it was a pretty selfless guy. And, you know, I just, you know, wish anything to get him out of that environment. Do you think he saved American lives? Uh, with his communication skills, because uh, all of our patrols were, 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 were joint patrols. Uh, so with, with him communicating with us to our Afghan partners, uh, he definitely did a good job, you know, as far as mm -hmm. uh, keeping us uh, on the same page. You know, it's, it's hard doing patrols with a foreign army that doesn't speak your language. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and he did a great job. So, you know, as far as saving lives is concerned, I would definitely credit him with, with being a part of uh, our successful missions. Yeah. Or the ones that the ones that he was on. Is, wow. Is there you anything know. else? Well, go ahead. Christine. I was go ahead, Christine. What were you going to say? I, I was just going to say, I just said, you know, wow, because, mm -hmm. you know, we keep on doing these interviews and then we realize that people like George 
want to help the people that stood by them and worked with them and helped them and helped them survive during during you know the war and it, it's it's devastating it's devastating to me that we're leaving people behind i i, I just I, I mean i'm i just find this you know and i and i'm i need to pray for all you guys that are working on this because this is not easy i mean it's not it's not easy for the people that are in the in Afghanistan now, but it's not easy on U.S. soldiers either who are trying to do the right thing. Uh, I've, I've had a few friends get their interpreters out and I kind of asked them how they did it. And some of it was just flat luck, right yeah. place, right time. They just happened to get where they needed to get. Uh, so there was no, there, you know, there, there, was, there was nothing. The, they didn't do anything special. They were just able to get them on the air, on the aircraft. And yeah. he just, not, he just did not fall into that particular uh, situation uh, in particular uh, right there towards, I say the last week before U S forces left. And uh, he was trying to get to the airport and he was kept running into uh, Taliban checkpoints. I believe at one point in time, I don't think he got into detail with it, but I believe he was uh, uh, assaulted at a uh, checkpoint uh, and, and turned around uh, by, by a Taliban checkpoint. Uh, so he wasn't able to get to the airport. It was a few times he, he made several attempts to get to the airport, try to get out of there. Uh, and, and every time he was turned back or it was just too crowded. And then of course, you know, obviously that last flight left and that was kind of it. Wow. Uh, so he was in a pretty dire situation. I know they're low on money. I'm not sure how they're supporting each other. Uh, you know, as far as food and stuff, he'd mentioned food is scarce for him and his, and, and his, uh, for, for him and his family, uh, he's getting help somehow. So I don't know if just the, the kindness of people's hearts in that particular area, uh, if they're you know pulling pulling together money to help these people out. Uh, but just in, in, in his conversation, I, I can tell he's not, uh, he's with other people or he's in contact with other people that are in a similar situation uh, with him. I think the last thing he had told me was that people were, uh, Geez, I think people were wanting fifteen thousand mm -hmm. uh, dollars per person. I believe was the going rate now, and uh, I believe he had told me some of the people that were taking this money. Uh, I guess in in the past couple of days, this is from him uh, in that particular area. But I guess some of the people that have been taking that money and offering to help, I guess they've been getting in trouble now too. Uh, so sounds like there's less people willing to to help out uh, if they start cracking down more. Uh, people are going to be less willing to want to help out those particular people. Well, we heard we've heard some stories about families on the move and then turning to other family members and other family yeah. members saying no because they don't want any trouble. And in a situation like this, considering it's the Taliban, yes. it's understandable and it's going to take a lot of moral courage. But we need to have more moral courage on this side. Uh, I think people. I, I just don't think people understand the, the, the brutality of these particular people. And I've dealt with them for, for years and I've seen them on the news and my friends have dealt with them. Uh, there's no, there's just really no, no negotiating with, with, with people like that. Uh, they, they know force is that's, that's the language they speak. They speak force. And if, if, if we don't speak force back, you know, we're not going to get the end result that we want. Uh, but at the same time, I, I know what my end result is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are on the same boat, you know, get those people out of there. Uh, but the people that are calling their shots, what is their, 
what is their definition of success? Or are they just redefining success and just celebrating their victory? I have no idea. George, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. And I, and I, and I hope, I hope you are successful in getting your friend, his wife and his children out. Oh, uh, me too. We are doing whatever we can uh, for the people that are out there that are actually, you know, sincere and honest about wanting to help, you know, really do appreciate the work that they're doing. People are, you know, doing a lot of great things. Uh, unfortunately, there's some bad apples out there that are taking people's money, but, uh, and, you know, manipulating the situation, but for the ones that are out there, you know, still trying to help out, I really do appreciate it. And I know those guys over there appreciate it too. Well, come back to us anytime and give us some updates on what the situation is. And I pray for your friend and his family. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, George.